five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast in partnership with Kidney Care UK, sharing faith, knowledge, hope, and love. Hi, and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior. My name is Dee Moore, and I am a stage four kidney warrior. This podcast is dedicated to encourage, educate, and inspire as we explore all aspects of kidney disease, related chronic illnesses, and health. If you have any questions or ideas for topics you would like me to cover, please get in contact with me on social media using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior. My guest today from Manchester, England, is consultant renal physician and professor of medicine, Professor Ibi Erikasima. Professor Ibi is very passionate about global renal health and champions renal service development in sub-Saharan Africa, particularly in Nigeria, training renal physicians and other members of the renal team. Professor Ibi joins me today to talk about the topic of sickle cell and chronic kidney disease. Hi, and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. How are you doing today, Professor Ibi? I'm very well, thank you. And you? I'm good. I'm good. Welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. I'm really excited about today's interview. I'm really looking forward to exploring this topic with you because this is the first time I'm going to be talking about this subject on the podcast. And so I'm really excited to find out more. Today, we are talking about sickle cell and CKD. And so I'm going to start with my first question. And my first question really is from the beginning. For people who are not familiar with what sickle cell actually is, what is sickle cell? Sickle cell disease is a group of inherited disorders, which is known as sickle cell disease. The key word there is inherited. And so it affects the, the shape of the red blood cells, which carry oxygen to all parts of the body. We know that oxygen is carried to the parts of the body by the red blood cells. And so what happens in sickle cell disease is that there is an abnormality in the shape of the red cell. And so rather than being a round, nice shape, it is in a crescent form called sickle. And so that's where the name comes from, sickle cell. So what that does is that usually blood supply to the body carries oxygen to different parts of the body. But in individuals with sickle cell disease, that is a problem. Because the sickle cell cannot carry oxygen. Those have the props of carrying oxygen. That's one. Number two is that it's because it's sickle, it's not pliable. You know, the blood cell is it can meander through the circulation, but the sickle cell can't. So it goes to block the blood vessels and cause some of the symptoms and problems. So in essence, that is what it is. But the key thing there is that it's an inherited disorder that causes an abnormality in the shape of the red cell, causing problems in different ways. So a normal red blood cell is round in shape, but a sickle cell is crescent shape. And you said that these can get stuck in the blood vessels. So what is the impact of these cells getting stuck? All right. First of all, let's just take a step back. There's another thing that happens to the cells. 
A normal red blood cell will live for 120 days, while a sickle cell is only between 20 and 40 days. These three characteristics, one, it doesn't carry enough oxygen to the parts of the body, two, it goes it stuck along the way, three, its lifespan is short of the red cell compared to the normal red cells. So these all together cause the various symptoms and signs in the body. One of them is pain. So people who have pain, the cells get sludged and stuck. So there's no blood supply to that part. Let me just give an example. When you're in the cold, when you go out very cold, your hand becomes numb and painful because the old blood vessels, they kind of shrink to conserve heat in the body. So your hand gets painful and, and a bit numb if it is extremely cold out. So that's the same thing that happens. Well, in this case, it's not as, it's not due to cold. It's because the cells are sickled and they're not allowing blood supply to that part of the body. So that's the same thing. And then because the cells break down easily, they get jaundice. Their eyes are yellow and all that. So they, they get what they call hemolytic crisis. So there are different types of crisis. You have bone pain crisis. You have uh, hemolytic, which is just breakdown of the blood cells. So those are the things. Is because of the shape of the cells and the way the shell is, the cells are now abnormal. That's what leads to the different symptoms and crisis that we get. So these crises can happen at any point of the body at all. Yes, it can. I mean, the crisis. I think you have to define crisis is a combination of symptoms, but it's not the pathology, which is not the damage it is causing. The damage is caused by the sickle cell. So while the crisis is a manifestation of the sickling of the cells. So you got bone pain crisis. You got hemolytic crisis. So the bone pain crisis is the commonest where people have severe pain and they will need to be in hospital to get treatment. So the crisis is a result of the problem with the blood cells get into different parts of the body. Now, that's why they have tummy pain, very severe one, especially the bones, because the tiny blood vessels that circulate around in the bone is kind of blocked. And so they get bone pains. And sometimes it gets to a point that because it's the blood supply to the bone, they get even damage, death to that part of the bone. So incredibly serious effects then of these blood cells getting stuck in yeah. these vessels. Yes. So you said that sickle cell is hereditary. So yeah. how do you inherit sickle cell? Okay, yes, yeah, sickle cell due to faulty genes of the hemoglobin. Now, what is hemoglobin? Hemoglobin is what makes your blood look red. So your hemoglobin is a combination of iron and some protein called globin. So heme and globin. Heme is ion compound. Globin is a protein compound. So both of them come together and form the hemoglobin. But in sickle cell, usually people have, normally hemoglobin is A. In sickle cell, they have an abnormal faulty hemoglobin genes called hemoglobin S from each parent. So if a parent has AS, another parent has AS, there's one in four chance of every pregnancy of that parent bringing up 
an offspring that has sickle cell disease, SS. So if both parents carry sickle cell trait, then there's a one in four chance of the child having sickle cell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they can also have children that have normal blood completely. Yes, yes. And so if you have somebody who one parent carries sickle cell, but the other parent has completely normal blood, what would be the chance of them having a child with sickle cell then? So they could have a child with sickle cell traits, not sickle cell anemia. Right. Sickle cell, yeah. So you can only have children with sickle cell if both parents either have carry trait. the trait or yeah. have sickle cell. Not sickle cell, yeah, sickle cell disease, yeah. So what population of people does sickle cell affect? I mean, sickle cell affects mainly black people and Afro-Caribbean people. And the epicenter of sickle cell disease is in sub-Saharan Africa. And Nigeria is, is, is has one of the largest population of people with sickle cell. And one in four people in Nigeria have sickle cell trait. That's different from sickle cell anemia. So the prevalence of sickle cell disease is actually 2 to 5%. But in terms of the occurrence of the trait itself, it's about 25% of the population. So one quarter of the population in Nigeria. As the sickle cell trait. Right. So does sickle cell affect European people? From the data, it's estimated that sickle cell disease is made to affect one in every 2,000 life beds. So that's very rare. One in every 2,000 life beds. And if you look at the UK data from the UK, it says that it's estimated that there are 15,000 people you can see living with sickle cell disease. I mean, if you compare it to the population in Nigeria, where there are almost 200 million people, so 25% of that have a sickle cell trait. So that is the data. So very rare, but not impossible. Not impossible. So if you look at it, it says it's quite a risk, very rare in white people. It's really in the United States where you have the and African-Americans and all that. According to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, only one in every 33 white newborn carries sickle cell traits. Far fewer. You can see they, they're very, very, very small. If you look at the American population where there's some significant Africa for Americans. So how does having sickle cell affect someone who also lives with chronic kidney disease? So is it a chicken and egg? Which one comes first? <laughs> Basically, it's the sickle cell that, that causes the chronic kidney disease because it's a recognized complication of sickle cell disease, especially when people have survived beyond young adulthood. If they survive up to 40 years, 20 to 30% of patients have chronic kidney disease leading wow. to my end up on dialysis. That's a high number of that. Yes. That's if they survive beyond adulthood, when they get to 40 years old, a quarter of people at least have some degree of renal disease. Wow. And in Africa, the average survival is 25 to 30 years. But if you look at the you know, general population world over, the average survival, you know, in this day and age that people are living up to 80, 80 years old, uh, but sickle cell, people with sickle cell anemia live all just up to about 50 something years. So the life expectancy of people with sickle cell is lower than the general population? Yes, general population. Yes, yeah, sure. 
So basically, somebody who lives with sickle cell who is over the age of 40 is even more likely to develop kidney disease. Yes. So why is that? Because as you grow older, although you survive the very vulnerable period, you have complications of organ-related complications like the kidneys because of the same pathology, that is the same damage that is method to different parts of the body. For example, in the kidneys, it also blocks the tiny, tiny blood vessels that are in the filters that filter your blood. And so those filters get damaged and patients will end up with end-stage kidney disease requiring dialysis or transplantation. Do people get crises in the kidneys? So what is a crisis in the kidneys? Crisis is a syndrome. It's, a, it's what takes people. It's a manifestation. So somebody might have kidney damage, but you may not know they got kidney damage until they test your blood to see that your creatinine is high and you're passing urine with loads of protein in it. And sometimes you could have blood. Now, you made a good point. There are some times that patients have actually blocking in the blood supply to the kidneys and it could cause kidney pain. And they could pass blood in the urine because of the damage to the collecting system or where the urine comes out from, and they, they could just pass blood. So there's a word we use for that, uh, which is a big medical term called papillary necrosis, but it's just a damage to the collecting system inside the kidney. So how does having sickle cell affect the treatment of kidney disease? So if you've got somebody who's on dialysis, where obviously blood is being taken from the body and put back in, is there more risks associated with hemodialysis? Are they more likely to be you know, advised to be on peritoneal dialysis or does it not make any difference? I mean, let's just step back. First of all, before they even get onto dialysis, the treatment to reduce progression of kidney disease it's about the same, you know, reducing proteinuria, reducing the protein in the urine. Because of the kidney disease, they could have high blood pressure. So you also manage that to reduce the progression to end-stage kidney disease. Now, if they now end up with end-stage kidney disease, that meant that they will need renal replacement therapy. What does that mean, dialysis or transplant? So in terms of dialysis, they have, they can be offered a boat. But one of the things that in my own experience is that most of them cannot cope with home-based therapy because of their crisis and frequent hospitalization. So they are better looked after in hospital-based treatment, in which case they will require hemodialysis. But hemodialysis has its own challenges because they must be given a fistula where blood needs to be taken out into the dialysis machine to clean it and get back to the, their body. But because of the same clotting of their fistula, so that could be a challenge. Now, coming to other forms of treatment that support the dialysis, like giving them erythropoietin and all that, because sickle cell disease, so that the blood cells are broken down very quickly, you know, like I said earlier in this conversation, that the normal red blood cells live up to 120 days, while the sickle cell just lives about between 20 and 40 days. So the body tries to produce more red cells in response to the breakdown of the red cells, okay? So there will be a lot of body-producing erythropoietin. So their problem is themselves if they don't have erythropoietin. That's why even if you give them erythropoietin, they don't respond 
because you need to give him a high dose to respond. So the sequence have very high doses of erythropoietin. They normally require. Just to explain for people who don't know what erythropoietin is, so erythropoietin, or most people shorten it to EPO. If you just explain what EPO is, EPO erythropoietin is basically produced from the kidneys. If you look at the kidney, it's produced from the kidney. And so when you got kidney disease, in people with who don't have sickle cell disease, erythropoietin is low. But because in C-class, they always have this, what do you call, their body is under a false sense of as if they have no lack of oxygen because the red cells are not taking oxygen to the body because of the sickle cell. So the body responds to that, what you call, relative low oxygen, which is, it's not as if the oxygen level is low, but the body, is, the cells are not transporting the oxygen to the tissues because of the way the sickle cell is. So the body's level of hippo is high, although it's not functional. So the kidneys right. are producing hippo. Erythropoietin is what stimulates your bone marrow to produce red cells. But that erythropoietin comes from the kidneys. It acts on the bone marrow to produce red cells. So but there's a high turnover in sickle cell disease because the body perceives that that there's not enough oxygen. The red blood cells are not enough. So it produces a lot of EPO. So that's why they require high doses of EPO. But one thing that we must remember is that in C-class, their hemoglobin is high, hardly above 8 grams, while normal hemoglobin for females is above 12, or the 12.5 in some populations, but in males about 13. But in C-class, their normal hemoglobin is around 8 or 9. It's about 8. So, because if, if the hemoglobin goes above eight, most of the cells are sickle and it causes more blockade. So, th- does that make sense? Yes. So, you aren't trying to give them more EPO because you don't want them to produce more sickle cells in this. Yeah, more sickle cells, exactly. Yeah. And then cause more problems, problems as a yeah. result. Yeah. So, they're also treated with what you call hydroxyurea, it's a chemical which stimulates hemoglobin F. Hemoglobin F is a fetal hemoglobin. You know, the fetal hemoglobin is different from when the child is born. The fetal hemoglobin begins to die down, and hemoglobin A begins to form. So the hydroxyurea tend to encourage more production of hemoglobin F, which can carry oxygen to the body. So they treat them with hydroxyurea. Some centers treat hydroxyurea with EPO together so that it will be effective. So what other types of treatments do they have for people with sickle cell? I mean, mainly the, the treatment is supportive. When they have their crisis, you give them pain relief. You make sure they're not dehydrated because if they're dehydrated, their blood concentration is thick. So their blood is thicker, you know, so you don't want them to be dehydrated. Also, one of the things that can cause crisis is when they have infection. So we try to make sure that they are immunized for all these infections and all that. And also, one of the things that sickle cell disease does is that it could damage the spleen, which raises a lot of immunity to your body. So those are the things. So some of them have real damage to their spleen, not kidneys, spleen. So it's different organs get damaged because of lack of oxygen to the organs. Are people given blood transfusions to help with their sickle cell? 
Yes, in certain situations, we don't just give blood transfusion to sicklers because their blood count or blood hemoglobin is around eight. That's most of them, that's their normal hemoglobin. But in certain situations where the hemoglobin is so low that it is now dangerous to their life, because low hemoglobin can cause heart failure. In that situation, we give them blood transfusion. But one of the ways that is advocated is to give them exchange blood transfusion. You know, you take their blood out and give them fresh, normal blood from a person. So that would be more than the normal amount that you would give. It would be like a, a complete set of new blood in essence. Yeah, maybe you, you remove two, maybe two pints of blood, maybe two units of blood. You can give them a, two units in exchange. Right. So you're literally taking out the sickled blood and then putting yeah. it in healthy blood. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So is somebody living with sickle cell suitable for transplantation? Yes, they're suitable for transplantation. Now, the thing is that, you know, for those that survive, you know, and then have end-stage kidney disease, it's good to offer them transplant. But the other thing is that their survival compared to the general population is lower. And that has not changed much, even with the newer drugs for in transplantation. But certainly, the survival for those that get transplant is far better than those that are not getting transplant on dialysis. So transplantation is ultimately better for patients who have sickle cell than to be on dialysis. I mean, if they are looked after properly, because, you know, kidney transplant will require you to look after them, you know, first of all, you have to prepare them for the transplant, for the outcome to be better. But if you look at the survival, the survival is less than the general population, but it's still better than being on dialysis. You know, there have been series in the past, that they've done studies that say that, well, in the past, about, this was about 20 years ago, where people that have sickle cell disease, there was this mentality that, oh, they will not survive transplant. But that is no longer true. We have had patients who have had a transplant. And we compare them to the survival in one year. It's almost similar to the normal population. So clearly a lot of advantages for someone living with sickle cell to have a transplant. Yeah. But one of the things that is a challenge, especially in Africa where it is common, the resources are poor. You have the process, uh, they put poor access from skilled manpower. You have poor facilities for kidney transplant. You have no facilities at all. And then you have poor health insurance. There's poverty, ignorance, lack of national constitution to back kind of very, you know, transplant, you know, that is kind of very kidney donation. You have to rely on life-related donors. In fact, the sicklers that have been transplanted in Nigeria has to be life-related donors. When you say they have to be live-related donors, so for someone living with sickle cell, the living donor has to be related to them. Yes, life-related in the sense that those are ones that are, especially in Africa, are likely to give them a kidney. Right. We don't have the national organ donation lists or so because there's no legislation to support that. What are the other challenges associated with a patient who has sickle cell and CKD? It's quite challenging because, first of all, people who have sickle cell disease 
there are frequent hospital admissions, you know, before they even transition to having CKD. You know, because the CKD most likely comes from just like any other thing that causes CKD, hypertension, diabetes, and uh, diseases of the glomerulus, and which is the, the filters. So in patients with sickle uh, cell, when they have CKD, we use the same treatment. But that's also a challenge because they get high blood pressure from the kidney disease. They will require EPO. They require all the other things that we give patients who have advanced chronic kidney disease if their kidney disease begin to progress. So one of the things that happens is that they get frequent hospitalization before they go on dialysis. Dialysis is even a more of a nightmare. Sometimes even the process of giving them a fistula could be very challenging and all that. And the fistula gets clotted, you want to get them to declot it. So there's a lot of things going on at any time. They could be having dialysis and have crisis on dialysis. Crisis instead of because this blood is coming out, going in. And so as they go into the body, because of the, you know, dialysis itself is, it generates some form of kind of inflammatory process because it, it goes straight to you and then goes back to your body. So your body is saying that there's something foreign coming in now, which uh, your blood has got into in contact with plastics and things. So although most of us, our bodies, you know, we don't have this kind of problem, our bodies are able to cope with it, but their bodies react differently to it. And so very little things just tip them into crisis. And so they get crisis while you sometimes having dialysis, you know, and um, they, they get into hospital frequently. And that could be a real challenge. So in terms of management of chronic kidney disease and sickle cell, what could somebody living with chronic kidney disease and sickle cell do to help themselves in terms of self-management and their care? I mean, first of all, sickle cell disease, the disease itself makes you get frequent admissions in some situations. And so you got to take all the precautions that you can, humanly possible. One, you make sure that you have all your vaccinations because infections is one of the things that can trigger crisis. Dehydration and all that. So those things are very key. I mean, you know, so you keep yourself well hydrated. And then if you now get chronic kidney disease, because with chronic kidney disease, other things begin to crop up, like your blood pressure goes up. So you try and keep that under control and work on other lifestyle modifications, you know, because when you get sickle cell disease and you now get chronic disease, you now get into a, a different territory, you know, which meant that you need to do some things more extra. You need to look at your diet. You need to look at a few things. So these are all the things that will make you at least be able to leave some bit of some semblance of normality, you know, rather than going in and out of hospital. So what kind of dietary changes would help? I mean, there's no dietary specific dietary changes for sickle cell. But in kidney disease, you talk about cholesterol, you know, you eat a healthy diet, vegetables and things, and all those things that will reduce your chances of having increased cardiovascular risk and all that. You know. So it's just risk management around chronic kidney disease and all that, you know, managing. If you get to a point where your phosphate begins to creep up, you have to look at your diet, talk to your dietitian and all that. 
the best possible way to live and enjoy your life. Is it possible for someone who has sickle cell and CKD to exercise? Yeah. One of the things that we always advise is that you should not have vigorous exercises where your oxygen demand becomes high because your, your body will not cope. You mean you can't take a walk? You know, there are things that you can do can still make you feel healthy. You don't need to do as if you're competing for the Olympics. So it'd be low-impact exercise, like Yeah, low-impact exercise. Yeah, walking. You can just walk. You can, I mean, even 30 minutes walk, just taking normal walk will help you. You know, so you don't need to put yourself in a situation where your body's demand for oxygen increases, in which case your blood cells struggle to meet the demand of your body. Right. Because when you're doing something high impact, then your blood's moving around faster, which means yeah, it's more likely yeah, it's more to, sickled, yes. to get stuck. Right. Yeah. So in summary, we've talked about what sickle cell is and the population of people that sickle cell affects. We've talked about treatment options and also how sickle cell affects someone with CKD and vice versa, and also things that people can do to help the management of both of the diseases. What is your final word of advice and or encouragement for someone listening who is living with both CKD and sickle cell? I mean, the final encouragement is that you can live a normal life with your sickle cell disease. And even on top of your kidney disease, you can also live a reasonably normal life, go on holidays, you do all the things every person would do. But the key thing is that you have to work in partnership with your healthcare providers and also be sensible with different things, your lifestyle and all that. But you can do every other thing. Everybody does and enjoy your life. Thank you so much for joining me today and for sharing on the very first time on the podcast about CKD and sickle cell. The information is so, so interesting. And so I know it's going to educate and help so many people and encourage so many people. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. And don't forget that you can contact me on social media using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior. Please do subscribe to the podcast and please do tell a friend. New episodes of this podcast are released every other Monday. Until next time, take care and choose to live. Diary of a Kitty Warrior. Sharing faith, knowledge, hope and love.